The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely online at kopn.org. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I am delighted to welcome my guest, Mr. Aaron Johnson. Mr. Johnson is the program manager for challenging corporate power at Rural Advancement Foundation International USA, also known as RAFI USA, a nonprofit organization based in North Carolina that challenges the root causes of unjust food systems. Mr. Johnson works to end trends of concentration and extraction in the meat industry and build resilient, community-rooted animal agriculture economics. Welcome, Aaron. It's great to have you. I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I thought it was interesting. Now, you hold a master's in theological studies from Duke University. How did you find your way to RAFI USA? It's a good question. You know, I started getting reinterested in the food system when I was in grad school. When I was at Duke, I was studying a lot of things about how race and gender discrimination play out in our culture specifically, intersected with religion. But I also got more interested in the food system again, and my grandfather and uncle were both farmers. I grew up spending time working on their farms, and as I got interested in justice issues as I went through undergrad and graduate school, that started to intersect more and more with the food system. And so after grad school, I kept my eye out for roles that would get me into that kind of work. And Rafi is in the area and eventually found an opportunity that was a good fit. And I'm super glad to be able to do this kind of work on the food system now. And you worked on a sustainable local farm when you were at Duke. What did you take away from that experience? The biggest reason why I did that was that it felt good to me at the time to be able to have something that was a change of pace from the type of work you do when you're studying in grad school. It's so much just kind of in your head work and being able to be connected and reconnect with the rhythm of working on a farm, which is something that I did all summer growing up, was a helpful way to keep some balance in my life. And that was a very different experience, different kind of farm from the type of farms I worked on when I was younger. And it was a great way for me to connect with the food system in a new area that I moved to. Well, I was interested in your work specifically on preparing a lengthy document, which was basically a summation of comments in response to the Agricultural Marketing Service, which is part of USDA. And these comments had to do with poultry growing tournament systems, fairness and related concerns. Now, I have been a dietitian for decades, and I am not aware of anything called a tournament system. Of course, I've been eating chicken all my life. How is it that I don't know about this? So I am going to rely on you to unpack this important document that you've put together. Tell me a little bit about how RAFI USA became involved in reaching out and working with poultry growers and then we can dive into this tournament system. Yeah, so RAFI USA has been working with contract poultry growers for decades. 
And the program that I manage now, the Challenging Corporate Power program, is kind of an evolution and expansion of a program that has been a part of RAFI for 30 years called the Contract Agriculture Reform Program. And that program's long history at RAFI is a reflection of how long these issues of corporate power abuse have been a problem, specifically in in the poultry industry, but also really across the food system. Ever since the 80s, there's been trends of increasing corporate concentration in our food system. And along with corporate concentration comes corporate power abuse. And farmers have been speaking up about that for decades. And RAFI has been a part of those fights. There have been various times in our history in the past two or three decades where there have been attempts to implement reforms to how the poultry industry operates, how other industries like the beef and pork industries operate in relation to the farmers and growers that actually produce that food. And that's something we have a long history of working in. And so my work is an extension of that history. And a part of that history has been just continued long-term relationships with a network of growers that are really the input that we channel to make recommendations to policymakers. You had to have a good level of trust to be able to summon the kind of responses you got to your questions. And you interviewed 105 former and current poultry contract growers in order to inform the comments that you were going to submit to USDA. That's a lot. That's a lot. And specifically, what one of the things that we did was made it an option for growers to submit anonymous feedback to us. And the reason why that's important, and, and we'll get into this as we continue to talk about these issues, is that there's just a lot of fear amongst poultry growers about retaliation from integrators for speaking up in any way about problems in the poultry industry. And so it's honestly really hard to connect with growers and giving them a way to submit feedback anonymously or confidentially adds an extra layer of protection and support to them being able to tell their stories without fear of there being negative ramifications on their livelihoods for speaking out. And that was pretty key to us being able to get that level of feedback. Well, absolutely. And I'm sure trust was key. And knowing that RAFI USA is a trustworthy organization. In preparation for this interview, I watched a film called Under Contract, and I'm going to provide a link to our listeners. But I think that it makes it painfully clear what kinds of issues contract poultry growers are up against. And I want to first start out, you used a word integrator, another word I was not familiar with. Can we do a little glossary of terms? What is an integrator? Yeah, that's a great question. And maybe I'll take this opportunity to describe a little bit of the structure of the industry too. Perfect. So when we talk about integrators, we're talking about poultry corporations. And the reason why they're called integrators is because they vertically integrated the poultry industry. And what that means is that they own all the various steps of the supply chain and all of the various inputs that are needed to grow poultry. And so one of the most important things to understand right off the bat about poultry corporations and contract poultry growers and their relationship is that at no point does a contract poultry grower own the chickens that live on their farm, nor do they ever own or purchase the feed that's fed to those chickens. The poultry corporation or integrator owns the flocks of birds and the feeds throughout the entire process. And that's very different than other types of farming. You could imagine, for example, a cattle rancher who owns a herd of cattle. They own those cattle. They get to choose how to raise them. They get to choose when to sell them. 
that kind of power is not in the hands of a contract poultry grower. And that really shapes the power dynamics in terms of how their business is run and their relationship with the other party they're contracting with, the poultry corporation. So when we talk about poultry growing tournament systems, what does that mean? Yeah, there are a couple levels here. But maybe the easiest way to start to understand this is to talk about how the tournament system works and how poultry contracts work from the perspective of an individual contract grower. Okay. So as I was saying, the poultry grower doesn't own any of the inputs, the the chickens or the feed or medicine that they need. What they're contracting fundamentally is their land, the built infrastructure on that land, so the barns, the feed tank, all of the equipment on that land, and their labor for managing and supervising the growth of a flock of chickens while they're on the farm. And what they're contracting with the poultry corporation, the integrator, to do is the integrator is sending them a flock to basically like babysit. They send them a flock of chicks and they send them shipments of feed. And it's the job of the contract poultry grower to make sure that everything is in working order, that those chickens are getting the feed that they need, the temperature stays at the right place, all these different factors that impact those chickens growing as healthily and efficiently as possible. And their contract includes two mechanisms that impact final price that they receive for that flock. The first is the base pay rate. And that's usually tied to a final weight for those chickens. So maybe, for example, we'll say that their base pay is five cents a pound. And then on top of that, there's a tournament ranking system. And what the integrator will tell you or what the industry will say is that the tournament system is a bonus system to incentivize better performance, higher quality flocks. And I would contend that that that's a deceptive contention, and I'll explain why. Usually when you are in a workplace and you have a performance incentive system or bonus system, if you receive a bonus, that's extra money that your company is paying you for better performance. But in the tournament system, the company isn't actually paying the bonus. What happens is, let's say you as a contract poultry grower, you finish growing your flock, the company sends a truck to pick up your chickens and take them back to the processing plant. And let's say nine other growers had their blocks sent back to the processing plant this week as well. They're going to evaluate the performance of those flocks. And when I say performance, I'm talking about what was the final weight of the chickens in your flock? How many of them died while they were on your farm? And most critically, how efficiently did they turn the feed that they ate into chicken meat that is then going to end up being sold? Because the number one cost is input cost, specifically the cost of feed. And so the more efficiently the chicken is able to eat that feed and turn it into meat, the more profit is available for the entire supply chain, corporation, what's being passed to the grower, et cetera. So they're going to average how efficiently did all 10 of these flocks grow. Whatever that average is, every grower who was below average in that tournament group of 10 growers is going to have money subtracted from their base pay, and it's going to be transferred to the growers who had flocks that performed higher than average. So in reality, the integrator is not paying a bonus. They are contractually requiring half of the growers to pay a bonus to the other half of the growers. The growers are paying each other's bonuses. And this fundamentally pits growers against each other, incentivizes them to have an adversarial relationship with each other, and For the next level that we're going to get into, I'll stop if you have any questions, but the next level we're going to get into is that your performance 
so many of the factors that affect whether you performed above or below average aren't really in your control at all. Right. Because if you remember, all the chickens that were provided to you, all the feed that was provided to you, that was all under the control of the integrator and not under your control. Ultimately, you're being held accountable for how that flock performed. And so in reality, the tournament system isn't about incentivizing performance. It's about maintaining a consistent and even cost for the integrator corporation and allowing them to externalize little inefficiencies and costs of production out onto growers instead of having them on their own balance sheet. Your point about feed efficiency raised a red flag to me because we understand that one of the reasons why farmers use antibiotics, certainly if an animal is ill, an antibiotic might be necessary, but we also know that antibiotics are used to improve feed efficiency. So there's an incentive for the grower to use antibiotics because that, at the end of the day, will influence the bottom line and his check that he gets in the mailbox. Well, the dynamic that I'll add to that, though, is that it's very likely that the grower actually isn't the one making that decision. The way these contracts work is that the integrator corporation exerts a lot of pervasive control over how the farmer even operates the farm. And the farmer basically has a rep from the company who will come out and visit their farm and give them instructions about how to operate their farm. And things like what medication to use, the integrator corporation more than likely is going to be dictating that to the grower in many situations. So that's a part of this whole system is that the level of pervasive control through the contract structure that the corporation is able to exercise over what types of inputs the farmer receives, but also around the management practices, which all calls into question whether the tournament system is really about the performance or effort of the grower at all. Yeah. Aaron, let me take one break because we're halfway through. And I want to remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are speaking with Mr. Aaron Johnson. He is the program manager for Challenging Corporate Power at Rural Advancement Foundation International USA, also known as RAFI USA. And specifically, he is the lead author summarizing comments that will be sent to the Agricultural Marketing Service about the poultry growing tournament systems, fairness and related concerns. So Aaron, I was really glad that you brought up the role of how much power the grower has versus how much power the integrator or the corporation has. Because in watching the film under contract, and also reading through the comments from the farmers, what I learned is that they don't have much say in anything. So they can get sick birds. They can get birds that were born to hens that were too young or too old. That influences the health and rigor of the chicks that they receive. With regard to feed, some farmers said that, yeah, I liked being first to receive the feed because the truck leaked a little bit and I got a little more. And other farmers said, no, I didn't get the poundage that I was promised. I was shorted, but I was charged for a larger amount of feed. What do farmers do in a situation like that? I mean, the reality of the situation is they take a loss. That's what happens. Because there generally isn't much recourse, because really, it all depends on what the integrator is willing to do about the situation. The integrator really holds all the cards and all the power. And so, as I talk to poultry growers throughout the past year, you'll just hear stories all the time. 
And the reality of the situation is the poultry company has to send all these chickens out to someone, right? They're not just going to trash a flock of chicks because they're a little bit less than optimal. The point is that they have constructed a system for evaluating quote-unquote performance that is skewed and unfair. You're not being compared to a standard that's specific to the factors for that flock. If you were trying to design a fair system, you might be evaluated on whether you got the most out of a given flock of chickens, and that evaluation would take into account the fact that maybe they had a health condition or maybe they weren't likely to perform as efficiently as a different flock. But how well did you steward the flock you were given? But that's not how the tournament system works. And so ultimately what happens is farmers take a loss. And the additional level there is that because the integrators control all these factors, if you have a grower who maybe decides they want to speak out about these issues or speak to a reporter or organize a growers association or really do anything that's against the self-interest of the poultry company, they have a lot of control over retaliating against you, putting you in your place, and if they choose to, basically bleeding you dry over a number of years and causing you to consistently perform below average in the tournament system, and they can put you behind on your loan payments or your utility payments and eventually drive some growers into bankruptcy. Mm. I'm glad you brought up the bankruptcy issue because I learned that how much money farmers had to pay in order to build, say, four chicken houses. So they get yeah. a loan from a bank, say, for $1.2 million to build four chicken houses, and the company has no risk. This is all on the grower, but the banks have no risk either because it's the taxpayers that will bail out the banks. Yeah, so this really gets to the heart of why is the production phase of growing poultry still ostensibly independent versus just run by employees of a poultry company. And the reason is that the USDA has a whole system of farm credit banks and the Farm Service Agency guarantees loans, which, I mean, any loan to an agricultural enterprise is going to be a little bit riskier than some other types of business lending because agriculture is a risky enterprise. And so we have the FSA, the Farm Service Agency, to provide loan guarantees to financial institutions so that farmers can get capital. But in these situations, what ends up happening, and the reason why the contract poultry grower is useful to the poultry corporation, is a poultry corporation can't go out and get a loan to build a poultry farm from the FSA, because the FSA is for farmers. So under the guise that these are independent farmers, these contract farmers are sent to the bank. They go and get the loan with a loan guarantee from FSA or from the Small Business Administration to de-risk the loan for the lending institution. They secure the capital to actually buy the land and build the farm. The debt load and the debt liability is on the grower. So now the poultry corporation has externalized the debt liability. They have secured a government subsidy by proxy. And now they also have an additional coercive lever of control over their contract grower because they have the power to put that grower behind or out of business, and that grower is going to be accountable to the bank that they got the loan from. And on top of that, they can try to require that grower to go further into debt to upgrade their barns. And oftentimes, you'll see integrators come around in the last year of someone's loan, well, now we need you to upgrade. We need you to take another loan out because they know as long as that contract grower is in debt, we have more power over them. And this is the kind of cycle that we see where the contract grower is securing public funds, subsidize the building of production facilities, and allow the corporate entity to externalize that risk. 
Mm. So you have collected comments from a great number of farmers in this system. What do they want to see changed? Well, the lever of change that we're working on right now is through a process called rulemaking. The USDA has delegated authority under an old law, actually kind of a revolutionary law, called the Packers and Stockyards Act was passed in the 1920s at a time when there were similarly high levels of concentration in our food system. And the Packers and Stockyards Act gives the USDA authority to regulate fair competition and fairness generally in livestock sectors. And what the USDA has the power to do is say whether using things like tournament systems and contracts is in fact a fair or unfair practice. We believe they have the authority to make the usage of things like the tournament system or the practice of compelling growers to implement upgrades after a contract is signed. We believe the USDA has the power to make that illegal. And so what we are asking the USDA to do is set forth a new rulemaking framework that sets guardrails and rules and regulates what is a fair poultry contract? What is a fair way of paying contract growers who are growing chickens they don't own? And what are unfair asks of a poultry grower by an integrator? Is it fair for an integrator to ask a grower to go into debt to upgrade a farm when they already signed a contract with the farm that they built? And so this set of recommendations is gathered from all of these growers about what are the things that we think USDA can intervene and do under their existing authority under a law that's already been passed to ensure that we have fair competition and fairness generally in the poultry industry? So for all of us chicken eaters out there, what can we do to help support a fair poultry system? The reality is the vast majority of the poultry that you see in the supermarket is produced within this system. Even if you are purchasing organic poultry, oftentimes these major integrators have conventional poultry and organic poultry marketing streams. And the matter of organics is a question of farming practices, but it doesn't really impact the contract relationship. There are very few poultry companies that don't use the tournament system today. There are few, but there aren't many, and they're not in all regions of the country. The best thing that folks across the country can do about this issue is get engaged in the political process, specifically around corporate power and around changing the course of the antitrust laws that we have in this country to reverse corporate concentration and provide fair rules for corporate conduct in our economy generally. Right. Do you know offhand the brands that don't use this system? I mean, the example that I talk about the most is a regional company in Virginia called Farmer Focus. It's in the name. They were started by uh, a group of growers that were formerly contract growers. And they have a different model where the farmers own the chickens and have an advisory board within the company. And they are a good model of a, a company that's trying to build a supply chain that has an honorable relationship with its producers. But that's a regional company. They're not in every store. The vast majority of this system is already and has for a long time been vertically integrated and uses this framework. The other thing that I would mention is that currently the Department of Justice is implementing a consent decree with several poultry corporations that they took to court for wage fixing and deception under the Packers and Stockers Act. And part of that consent decree is to force them to stop using the internment system. So that's with Sanderson Farms and Wayne Farms, which merged this year under Cargill. So ostensibly, as that consent decree is implemented, 
chicken from those companies will no longer be grown under the tournament system as well. But the tournament system, we should keep in mind, is just one part of an overall coercive and corporately controlled system because the broader context is that the level of concentration in the poultry industry is such that most regions of the country are pretty tightly controlled by one or two poultry corporations who can pretty much offer take-it-or-leave-it contracts to growers in their area and aren't really forced to compete with each other around securing grower contracts, which means that growers don't really have a lot of power to move from one integrator to another when they feel like they're being mistreated or offered bad terms on contracts. Well, I will direct our listeners to your excellent website, and they can read more about this, and they can also watch the film, which is extremely eye-opening. We just have a few minutes. Are there issues that you want to make sure our listeners know about that we didn't already cover? If I could leave this conversation with one thing, it would be to zoom out a little bit further and to make a reframing point. One of the things that happens a lot when I talk to contract growers is they'll say something like, I'm not usually for government regulation. I usually think it's counterproductive, but the corporations have gone too far here. I think we need more rules, more regulation in this case. And that kind of assumes this continuum of the question being more regulation or less regulation. And I want to reframe that for people because the question isn't more or less. The question is who's regulating. Contract poultry growers are heavily regulated today, not by the government, but by corporations through these contracts. And that regulation isn't democratically accountable. It's often, most of the time, autocratic in nature. Those contract poultry growers don't have a say in the policies of those companies, don't have a say in how they're treated. At least with government regulation, there are democratically accountable processes, like this comment period. And ostensibly, the government is, by the people, it is governing on our behalf. The question with government regulation, with making fair rules for democratically accountable economies, isn't more or less regulation. It's, are we going to let corporations set the rules and regulations for our lives, or are we going to set them ourselves? Are we going to ask corporations, which aren't apolitical, they are political bodies themselves. They're setting up the terms of our lives. Are we going to ask them to serve the common good? Or are we going to let them regulate themselves and just seek maximum profits? And that is like a narrative shift underneath it all, because government regulation has these deep-seated narratives in our culture that we need to reframe and re-understand. Regulation is always happening. The question is, is it accountable to us or is it not? And I think that's the bigger picture thing that I would want to leave people thinking about around this and all kinds of other issues in the food system. I am so glad you are ending on that note. I think that you raise a wonderful question. It's not more or less regulation. It's who is regulating. And that is indeed where the focus needs to be. Also, I know that Rafi USA's mission, or one of the missions, is to shift narratives to help us see, as you say, stepping back and taking a broader picture. So I thank you so much for that. The other narrative shift that I would love to see is rather than calling out the government, I would rather that we reframe that and say it's our government. And so the work that you're doing is so much framed around that idea of let's come together, let's have sustainable food systems that are just for everyone. So Aaron, I cannot thank you enough for this. We unfortunately are out of time, 
In closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn for KOPN in Columbia, Missouri. But most of all, I want to thank my guest, Mr. Aaron Johnson, Program Manager for Challenging Corporate Power at Rural Advancement Foundation International USA, a nonprofit organization that challenges the root causes of unjust food systems. Aaron, thank you for your time today. Pleasure. Thanks.